Hello and welcome to the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Ian McLaren, former news editor for The Score, currently writing for Daily Hive and Second City Hockey. This is a daily Boston Bruins podcast where we discuss all things spoke to be as well as take a look around the NHL. To keep up with the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, please follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Boston Bruins. And you can also find me at ENC McLaren. Subscribe to Locked On Boston Bruins on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever else you listen. Please also rate and review. As I said, this is a daily Boston Bruins podcast, Monday through Friday, for the latest on the Boston Bruins, featuring regular segments, great guest interviews, and insights on how the team is doing. If you're a Bruins fan or a rival NHL fan looking to find more about Patrice Bergeron, David Pasternak, Brad Marchand, etc., this is the podcast for you. Again, we're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And today is Friday, October 18th. The Bruins are coming off a 4-3 shootout loss to the Tampa Bay Lightning on Thursday night. Uh, It was a a very entertaining game for those who who tuned in. Uh, The big story for the Bruins was the continued hot play of the power play. Uh, All three goals were scored on the power play. Two from David Pasternak, one from Patrice Bergeron. Uh, therein lies also the problem where uh, the top line continues to uh, generate pretty much all the offense and the secondary scoring uh, just is not there right now. Uh, Pasternak uh, had the two goals. His first goal of the evening was his fifth straight for the Bruins. Uh, he was the second, actually the third Bruin in team history to accomplish that feat. Glenn Murray holds the record uh, with scoring six straight goals for the Bruins back in 2004. After the game, he said, obviously it's going in for me now. Unfortunately, we were unable to get two points, so that's all that matters. I'm feeling good on the ice, so I'm trying to do my best for the team and focusing on playing my hockey and how I can help. Uh, he added shootouts are 50-50, uh, which I can attest to. You know, a lot of people say shootouts are a coin flip. Um, I personally would would bring back the tie, but that's maybe a topic for another podcast. Uh, He said, obviously we get the power play goals, but we definitely want to be better at five on five. The whole game, we still had chances. We just weren't able to cover that ice. Um, The Bruins did hit three posts in this one. I can't remember exactly what situation those were in, but, um, you know, uh, obviously they need to begin to capitalize on those five on five opportunities and they also need to get um, some goals from someone other than Pasternak or Bergeron or uh, Marchand. So again, the power play stays hot. The secondary scoring, not a thing. The top line has now scored 14 of the team's last 17 goals. Um, Bruce Cassidy, after the game, acknowledged that the Bruins need more from the rest of the roster. Um, outside of Bergeron, Marchand, and Pasternak, the only players to have scored once each are Tori Krug, Zdeno Chara, Danton Heinen, Brett Ritchie, and Joaquin Nordstrom. And Heinen and Ritchie, their two goals came in the season opener against uh, the Dallas Stars. Cassidy said, we win the game, 
tonight if we get secondary scoring from anybody. I think we're stating the obvious saying that, but having said that, our record is pretty good without it, but I don't think it's sustainable, and that's pretty much an understatement if the Bruins don't start to get production from uh, those secondary uh, forwards, then uh, the wins will not be coming in and they won't be getting the points. Uh, right now they have at least one point in all seven games to date. Uh, they have two games coming up with the Maple Leafs, one against the St. Louis Blues. That's their next three games. Um, obviously the Maple Leafs will be without John Tavares. He has a, a finger injury that will keep him out of the lineup for at least two weeks. Uh, we can, we'll talk about that in a little bit, but um, the Bruins need to get some of those sec- secondary guys going. David Krejci's out of the lineup, so that uh, hurts the depth that way. Ideally, you don't want a guy like Parlinholm playing in the top nine. Um, maybe it's time to think about bringing Anders Bjork up. He's, he's on fire so far to begin the season down in the AHL. Um, ideally, my forward lines right now would be, obviously, Marchand, Bergeron, Pasternak. Second line of... Uh, Jake DeBrusque, David Krejci, Anders Bjork. Uh, Bjork will be playing on his off wing, but we've seen already this season that he has the ability to generate offense from his off wing. Uh, He scored a goal from there uh, for the Providence Bruins, at least one so far this season from the off wing. Um, So that's, uh, that's a real possibility. And then the third line I would have Danton Heinen, Charlie Coyle, and Carson Kuhlman. Carson Kuhlman has been generating a lot of uh, chances of his own. He's not been able to capitalize on those, unfortunately. But um, he has the speed that uh, the guys like Coyle and Heinen can really work with. I mentioned it before. They've been really uh, anchored by the likes of Brett Ritchie, David Backus on their right side. And... Um, they would benefit from having that that speed generated uh, from Carson Kuhlman, in my mind. Um, one of that, of course, is to take away from Pasternak's hot start. He's currently, uh, I believe, uh, fourth in the NHL in total points uh, behind uh, John Carlson of the Washington Capitals, Leon Dreisaitl of the Edmonton Oilers, and Connor McDavid, also of the Oilers. McDavid has 17 points. Dreisaitl 15, Carlson 14, and Pasternak now has 13 points uh, in seven games, eight goals, five assists. If you go to look at points per game, Pasternak's uh, in fourth as well. McDavid averaging 2.43 goals a game, Dreisaitl 2.14. Mika Zibanejad is averaging exactly two points per game, and then Pasternak has 1.86. And Brad Marchand is only two points back of Pasternak. He's got 11 points so far, four goals, seven assists. Um, So obviously a a great start for those two. Bergeron is trailing a bit behind now. He's only got seven points um, through those seven games. Uh, And then, like I said yesterday, there's quite a big drop-off. Tori Krug has six points, but then uh, the fifth leading point recorder for the Bruins is Sean Corrales and he has two points and then we have a bunch of guys with one point and a few with none to date including Lindholm, uh, David Backus, he's only played three games, Carson Kuhlman, 
stuck on uh, zero points. But again, he's getting a lot of uh, opportunities. He's got 10 shots on goal, um, but just has not been able to find the back of the net, nor has he been able to get a helper on any goals either. So yeah, those guys really need to step up. And I had hoped that, uh, like I said on the podcast yesterday, that DeBrusque would step up last night and and uh, kind of break out on his birthday. He wasn't able to do that, uh, but uh, hopefully Toronto will be the uh, antidote to that. Um, like I said, they have two games coming up against the Maple Leafs, uh, home and home, beginning with Saturday in Toronto. And coming up uh, in a few moments here, we're going to be talking to Justin Cuthbert from Yahoo Sports. He covers the Toronto Maple Leafs for uh, Yahoo Sports up here in Canada. Um, he's a former uh, colleague of mine from The Score. And uh, he's a really uh, insightful guy, so we'll get some more information on how the Maple Leafs are doing in advance of those two games against the Bruins. Before we do that, I'd like to talk to you about uh, Vivid Seats. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for all live events that you want to go to. You can sort by price and look for seats in the section and row of your choice, all in the Vivid Seats app. So whether you're looking for uh, Bruins tickets want to go see the Lumineers, want to go see Bonnie Vare, you want to go see uh, whoever your favorite band is, go to the App Store, go to Google Play, and download the Vivid Seats app. Fans are automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program, through which you can earn credit back on uh, future purchases by using the Vivid Seats app. Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. So from the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater shows and more vivid seats has it all download the app join the vivid seats rewards loyalty program today enter promo code postseason at checkout to receive a discount of up to 100 dollars. get the vivid seats app enter promo code postseason at checkout to receive a discount of up to 100 dollars I'm joined now by Justin Cuthbert of Yahoo Sports. He covers uh, the Maple Leafs uh, for Yahoo Sports. Uh, Justin and I used to work together at The Score, and uh, I was thinking about that the other day, and there was a stretch where Justin and I pretty much were on the same rotation, working uh, days and evenings together for a few months, and I think that was probably one of my favorite times working at The Score was when we were kind of synced up our schedules like that, so... Uh, it's good to talk to you again, Justin. And uh, how are you doing these days? I'm good. Yeah, I miss I miss those war room days a little bit, but it's nice that both of us can uh, now sort of zero in on one team and and direct all of our focus there because uh, some of those nights were pretty scrambly trying to cover 30 teams. I don't think I ever got to 31 <laughs> with us there, but those uh, those nights were pretty busy in the war room. Yeah, that was pretty nuts. I remember a couple. There was one American. The Wednesday before an American Thanksgiving, all all teams were playing, and uh, that was a pretty nutty night for sure. But yeah, you're uh, focusing now just on the Maple Leafs, and I guess the big uh, news in Toronto in advance of these two games coming up against the Bruins is the John Tavares injury. I guess he uh, broke his finger and will be out a minimum of, of two weeks. Um, so do you know any more about that injury? and? Um, who do you expect will be tasked with uh, top line center duties and I guess matching up against uh, Boston's red hot line of uh, Bergeron, Marchand, and Pasternak? 
Yeah, I don't really know anything more than sort of the two-week timetable and how it happened sort of innocuously with a wrist shot from Morgan Riley from the point uh, late in that game in Washington. He actually scored on his next shift with a slap shot, which is pretty <laughs> right, yeah. remarkable. But um, no, it, it, it definitely takes a little bit of the sting out, out of the, uh, the upcoming set with the Bruins because um, obviously Tavares is sort of a central figure for the Leafs, at least when game planning for the Boston Bruins. Right. Um, because it was his line that you know matched up against the big boys in Boston, and that really impacts how the Maple Leafs might, um, I guess, deploy their lineup uh, for these two games. Because the the goal, at least in the playoffs, was to free up Boston Matthews as much as possible and have him sort of uh, go fire fire versus fire with the David Krejci line. Uh, but you wonder now if they're forced to sort of play uh, the two top lines versus each other, or Mike Babcock tries to do that because. Uh, I'm not sure there's a better option out there, unless you uh, right. unless you unless you try to use the third line in that role. Because we're, the biggest debate, I guess, right now, and we'll probably see at practice today what they're going to do. But who is going to fill in for John Tavares in the second line, I guess, or the first line, uh, no matter which way you look at it? Uh, is it going to be Jason Spezza? Are they going to promote Alexander Kerfoot? I I sort of I don't think that Kerfoot's going to come into that area. But the only real option, because uh, Nick Shore is definitely not coming up. It's probably Jason Spezza, who hasn't exactly been uh, Mike Babcock's favorite son in the <laughs> short time that he's been at Maple Leafs. So right. uh, it'll be really interesting to see who um, is playing with Mitch Marner and uh, uh, I guess it's Trevor Moore now with the Maple Leafs on the second line or the first line again. Uh, right. It's sort of been interchangeable there. Um, but it definitely has an impact on, on uh, the games with Boston in particular. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess by this point, the Leafs should be kind of used to uh, being down a center against the Bruins in, in big games with uh, having yes. dealt with the Cadre suspensions. But I guess yeah. I note for the Bruins, too, is that uh, David Krejci didn't play last night against Tampa Bay. Um, there's a hope that he'll be back for the Maple Leafs. But um, if he's not able to go again, it was Charlie Coyle who stepped up uh, on the second line last night. So I guess there's – yeah matchup questions all around on, on both sides with, with Tavares out for sure and Krejci uh, questionable. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see kind of what those matchups look like and who can who can take advantage of what um, with those going on. I know there's yeah, been questions. People... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say the more, the more obvious candidate, I guess, is obviously Charlie Coyle moving up. They have right. the Boston Bruins have that. The Maple Leafs chose, though, to get rid of that luxury. I mean, they did have three top two centers, if you want to look at that way, before mm-hmm. uh, before the start of this season. But they decided to sort of try to optimize their roster by moving the pieces around a little more and adding an effectively like Tyson Berry. But right. uh, we're going to see already um, the potential consequences of trading Nazem Kadri right, yeah. as early as two weeks into the season. Yeah, I was going to ask about the defense. Obviously, there's been uh, some turnover with, with uh, Jake Gardner out, Tyson Berry in. Um, do things seem to be shored up on the blue line, or are there still some questions on the blue line? Uh, San, Rasmus Sandin was given a shot out of the gate. He's been sent, sent down to the AHL. Um, is that top six kind of still in flux, or are they pretty set with with the group that they have now, do you think? Oh, it's still definitely in question. I think the biggest <laughs> issue right now with the Maple Leafs is, is that defense score. I mean, it's sort of perpetually that. Um, it's it's. I mean, there's problems up and down. Right now, I think uh, the second 
grouping is Jake Muzzin and Tyson Berry, and they've probably been the most sort of settled into that function, uh, but they've right. had some moments as well where it hasn't necessarily worked. Um, some games where they've been sort of caved in, but they've also had games where they've been absolutely dominant. So I'm not as, I'm not as, uh, as much worried about that group. Uh, I think they're going to, they're going to sort of settle in and really find a rhythm and be a potentially uh, potential difference maker. But right now the, the major issues are on the first and third unit. Uh, Morgan Riley was at a Norris caliber level last year uh, playing predominantly along uh, alongside Ron Hainsey. Uh this year with Cody Cece, he's been anything but that I, I'm not right. sure exactly I'm not sure you know uh, how much that has to do with Cody Cece because some of Morgan Riley's uh, issues have been self-inflicted uh, but you wonder if he's had to change his game uh, in a certain way to sort of uh, compensate for uh, I guess the limitations that are in Cody Cece's game so that's obviously one thing to watch and, and something that'll probably come to the fore against Boston. And then the third unit, I mean, uh, it, it was it was it was working at a level for the first five games, probably enhanced from uh, past years with Rasmus Sandin. Um, but clearly, they have bigger plans for Rasmus Sandin in that they want him to develop into a top uh, four defenseman. And in order to do that, he needs to play uh, all situations hockey. He needs to be on the power play, and he needs to be playing shorthanded. And the only minutes that are available for him to do that are in the minor leagues. So they made the decision to drop him down. And consequently, consequently, uh, they have two guys right now who have failed in recent seasons to even make this roster or make uh, a starting position in this roster with Justin Hall and Martin Marincic being their fifth and sixth guys and, and uh, Kevin Gravel being up as well as a potential rotation guy. So uh, there are issues for sure. On the Maple Leaf seed, they thought they were better optimized. They could still be better optimized, uh, but right now it's uh, it's still a work in progress. Yeah, I know. The other night, I think in the Washington game, Twitter was abuzz with uh, a lot of people noting that Cody Cece was the team's leading uh, uh, minute muncher through two periods in that game, and obviously they had the the big breakdowns with the three goals in like a minute 20 or something like that. So it's uh, interesting to see Babcock kind of relying on Cody CC when a lot of the underlying numbers suggest he's not really uh, a top pairing kind of guy. So, um, and I mean, just looking ahead to even next year, you see Muzzin's uh, UFA CC, I believe is a free agent as well. So um, yep. Even looking ahead to next year, there's still a lot of questions as to whether uh, – oh, Barry as well, right? He's a UFA. And Tyson Barry, yeah. They only have one defenseman on their current roster, I believe, signed beyond next season. That's Morgan <laughs> Riley. So, right. there's, I mean, there could be a lot of change coming. I think this is going to be sort of an endless job for Kyle Dubas to continue right. to move the pieces around on the defense core. Uh, but as much as there's problems ahead, there's also a solution coming, hopefully, with – uh, Travis Dermott coming back. He obviously won't be playing right. in either game against Boston, uh, but he gives them at least options, whether he plays with Morgan Riley on the top pair or he sort of solidifies that bottom pair because he's uh, he would clearly be, in my eyes at least, one of the top four defensemen on this team. It, uh, you don't know where, where exactly he's going to be used, but he definitely makes them better when he does come back. Right. Uh, one of my biggest questions about the Leafs coming into this season was uh... – backup goaltending and we've seen over the last couple of years how heavy of a workload that Frederick Anderson has had to carry and that's kind of uh, come back to haunt them a bit in the playoffs with some 
uh, below standard performances from him in uh, those series against the Bruins. Again, this year, it's a, it's a big question, I think, with uh, Michael Hutchison currently serving as backup. Um, the Bruins have the luxury of, of kind of two starting caliber goalies, so they can um, plan to rest Tugarask. I would imagine that Halak will play one of the games against the Maple Leafs, but I'm sure Anderson will, will go both. Is that uh, projected to, to be a concern down the road? And is Hutchison really able to, to start any meaningful games for this team at this point? You, you actually might see Hutchison play uh, the second game against Boston because okay. uh, one of the big controversies with, you know, the rigidity that Mike Babcock shows and, and how that sort of angers fans is that right. he, he will always play his starter on the first night of a back-to-back and then roll his backup on the second night. And that's right. sort of, are, are we really putting our best foot forward because maybe, okay, we're at 100% the first night and perhaps at a, against a lesser competition. And then the next night, we are both, you know, fatigued up front and with our second best goalie in the significant drop-off and potential performance with that position uh, the next night as well. And in both, and against the Boston Bruins, it will, it will, it will be that fact where the Leafs will be coming into Boston fatigued after playing the night before, likely with Michael Hutchinson. It's already cost them twice this year. Uh, they got a win with Freddie against uh, the Minnesota Wild and lost to the Washington Capitals. And then Freddie played against the, the Jackets earlier in the year and then lost against the Canadians uh, the next night. Uh, it is definitely a huge talking point, but with, but with the way the Maple Leafs have structured their payroll, I mean, they just can't afford right. more than a $700,000 goaltender. Right. Uh, I don't think, I think if you're, you know, basing just on value, I think Hutchison should be able to do the job maybe at a replacement level, and that's really all you can ask. Uh, but I don't think they've put him in a position to, to have that success yet. I mean, they, the wheels completely fell off in both games against Montreal and Washington, where it was right. just complete meltdowns defensively, and they scored in both games, I think, four goals the opposite, opposition in under 10 minutes. So uh, part of that is on Hutchinson, but the walls completely caving in on him is not completely his fault. So I don't think he's given a fair shake yet to really evaluate him. I think he needs a start with a, a he needs a start with a team that's you know fully set in front of him. Uh, but right now he hasn't had that opportunity, and I think it'll remain a talking point until he gets that opportunity. Right. And just the uh, last question. Speaking of the payroll, obviously there was much made of Mitch Marner in the off season and uh, his. Uh, prolonged contract negotiation with the Leafs. Uh, how has he looked so far? And is he, um, you think he'll be unfairly criticized this season based on his situation this past fall? Or will uh, people kind of give him the benefit of the doubt and realize that he is that kind of talent that deserves that kind of payday? Well, I think, I think Mitch Marner can make a lot of the noise go away by just playing you know, his hockey, the way, the way he's done the last two years, leading the Leafs and scoring in the last two years. If he just right. continues to do that, I think he'll be fine. Uh, he actually has put up a fair amount of points this year, but he hasn't played particularly well. Uh, at five-on-five, five, himself and John Tavares, mostly with Casperi Kaplan, were complete non-factors, uh, no scoring, no offensive, uh, offensive punch at even strength. Uh, between them, uh, they got a little boost with Trevor Moore, but obviously now with Tavares out of the lineup, uh, he's going to have to find his own way and create for himself mm-hmm. and not have another 
eight-figure superstar beside him to to sort of uh, bring the best out of him. Uh, and he scored a bit on the power play as well, but I think he's had a lot of struggles actually on the power play. I mean, uh, they switched sides with Austin Matthews, and he was supposed to implement this new, uh, I wouldn't say one-timer, but just open him up to shoot a little bit more. And I don't think he's that guy necessarily. A power play right. sniper is, is something that Mitch Martin is never going to be. Uh, I think he's shooting a little less or trying to a little less on the power plays. Uh, but the biggest thing for him and where he struggled on the power play is uh, he's the guy responsible for gaining the zone and the zone entries. I'm writing about this today for the Maple Leafs have just been absolutely horrendous. Uh, right. So I think a lot of that is uh, sort of falls on his plate. There's a lot that he has to shore up. Uh, and now the challenge is even greater because John Tavares is going to be out of the lineup for the next two to three weeks. So uh, Mitch Marner, I think if he just gets to the point where he's putting up points and, and getting fans out of their seats, all the talk will sort of go away. Uh, but right now, I don't think he's showing that he's a 10-plus or close to $11 million player. And now he's always going to have to deal with the, how his performance compares to the money he's making. And that's just right. the new reality and the reality that he wanted. And it's going to continue to be there. Uh, and right now, I think his performance has to improve a little bit uh, for that noise to sort of settle down. Right, right. Well, uh, thanks so much for taking some time to, to talk today, Justin. It was good to catch up. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we can connect again down the line when the, the Bruins and Leafs uh, face off again later on this season. Yeah, we could have plenty to talk about after these two games in the next week or so. Uh, if, yeah, for if sure. You have me back on. Um, but, yeah, for uh, sure. Great talking to you, and, and I'm glad, uh, glad you're covering the Bruins on a daily basis. That's a lot of fun. Yeah, man. Thanks a lot. Thanks again to Justin for taking some time to chat this morning. It's always great to catch up with him. He's a, a great guy, great hockey reporter. You can follow him at JC Cuthbert on Twitter, at JC Cuthbert, and read his stuff at Yahoo Sports. Uh, just to finish up today, we'll take a look around the NHL at some headlines and rumors du jour, um, as we do every day. Uh, big news on Thursday was that the Devils finally won. They beat the New York Rangers 5-2. Jack Hughes recorded his first point. Um, but Taylor Hall could face some supplemental discipline after a hit to the head of uh, Rangers defenseman Adam Fox, an elbow to the face, more specifically Hall. Got a two-minute minor, and uh, Fox was sent into percussion. Percussion? Not drum protocol. Concussion protocol. Um Old friend Phil Kessel scored his first two goals with the Arizona Coyotes, so nice to see him uh, get off the schneid, as they say. And um, personal interest to me, Nick Suzuki scored his first goal for the rival Montreal Canadiens. Uh, as I may have mentioned before, I covered the Guelph Storms uh, OHL championship last year, and he was an integral part of that. So was, uh, he's a he's a fun player to watch. Uh, one of these days, the Bruins and Canadians will face off, and uh, yeah, we'll get to see him in action. Um, Canadians actually have some pretty uh, talented young players in the mix, um, so it'll be nice to see that rivalry ignited. We haven't really seen much of that in recent years. Um, one other note was that Pittsburgh Penguins forward Alex Galchenyuk He's been uh, sidelined with a lower body injury, and now he's nursing an allergic reaction to a suspected spider bite, which is all kinds of creepy. 
and um, yeah, gives me the willies. I don't know word yet if he has uh, web powers, if he's part of the Spider-Verse, but we wish him a speedy recovery from that. Nobody wants to hear that. I mentioned uh, yesterday, I think, that there's been some talk about Taylor Hall uh, possibly being available on the trade market should the Devils continue to struggle and if it doesn't look like he's going to resign. Uh, Elliot Friedman, uh, according to David Staples in the Edmonton Journal, he said, it would not surprise me at all if Edmonton is a big suitor. I don't know if they can make a trade. I don't know if they have enough to make a deal, but it just wouldn't surprise me. Put it this way, it's long been believed that if Edmonton had a chance to correct and bring him back, that they would be interested. But there's a new GM there, so we'll see. We can file that under no shit, because obviously they would want to reverse that trade if they could. Hindsight uh, was 2020 on that one very quickly. And um, yeah, who wouldn't? I would want Taylor Hall on my team any, any day of the week. Um Speaking of, oh yeah, one more thing. The Carolina Hurricanes, they're um, obviously off to a hot start. And apparently, according to Pierre Lebrun, they're looking for a top-nine forward. And they've kicked the tires on Josh Hosang and Jesse Pugliarvi, who have both kind of fallen out of favor with their respective NHL clubs. They're first place in the division, uh, so they can. there's no rush to add offense at this point. Um, but... Um, yeah, adding either Pugliarvi or Hosang could really uh, solidify them as a, a power in the Eastern Conference, despite the fact those two players have yet to really uh, prove their worth at the NHL level. They have all the talent in the world, and uh, Carolina would be a good situation for them to fall into. So that's it for this week's uh, slate of Locked On Boston Bruins podcasts. Uh, Thanks again for listening. Thanks for subscribing, downloading. Uh, Please rate and review on your Apple account or other podcasts, podcast apps that you listen to the show on. Uh, I am Ian McLaren. You can follow me at Ian C. McLaren. Follow the show at LO underscore Boston Bruins. And if you have any feedback, uh, send me a message on Twitter or you can email Locked on Boston Bruins at gmail.com. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your favorite team every day. And uh, we'll catch up with you on Monday to discuss the uh, Bruins Maple Leafs game from Saturday night. Take care, friends. Enjoy the weekend.